Omajina Tremanandasya, Jina Jina Salakaya, Chakshun Militanyema, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Nasta Prayeshu Abhyeshu Nicham Bhagavate Sevaya, Bhagavati Kunas Loke, Bhakti Bhagavati Nice Pachakaptu Vishak, Vipasindaveva Chak, Titanam Pamanevyo, Vaishnavinamaha. So good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. To long distances. We're gonna chant a little this evening, just to kind of get in the mood of in the spirit of the Bhagavatam. This particular verse we're gonna chant is the verse that highlights the significance of the reformatory process that Srila Vyasudeva saw as a solution to the suffering of humanity. So he had a vision, and in his vision he saw the Supreme, and he saw with the Supreme all of his various shaktis, both internal and external. And in seeing those various shaktis, he also saw the Lord's external potency, his maya shakti. And he saw, saw the jivas. He saw the, the relationship of the jivas with the Lord's external energy. And the bewilderment that that potency was able to exert over the jivas. When the jivas place themselves, well, they don't place it, since a naughty, we can't trace out a beginning. There is no beginning. It's not that we can't trace it out, it doesn't exist. That's the important thing to understand about a naughty. It's not like we just don't have the intelligence to know when it started, no. There isn't a time it started. There is no time that the separateness of the jiva from the Supreme Lord, although both entities are conscious, ever happened. There is not a time when the jivas, influenced by the external potency, there's never a time that they were not influenced by the external potency. They've always been influenced by the external potency in a continual cycle. The conditioned jivas. There are also liberated jivas. Tonight, if we make it as far as we hope to, um, we will get to a point where that will be a little uh, further clarified. Shudaviyasadev's samadhi allowed him to see the jivas the external potency, the Lord and all his intrinsic potencies also. And he also saw remedial measure, <laughs> the application of an action by the jivas, whereby they could eliminate the suffering imposed upon them due to forgetfulness from the external potency. Due to forgetfulness. Hmm? Forgetfulness Well, awareness of their true spiritual nature. 
That's a good point. They didn't forget anything because yeah. they never knew to begin with. Srila Jiva Goswami points out this verse from the Bhagavatam as an evidence, a praman, of the remedial measure for the jivas so that they can eliminate their eternal forgetfulness of their spiritual nature. So this verse he uses as an as pointing out the remedy, the remedial measure. So Bhakti Ross is going to chant it, so cease. And we can re- chant responsibly. This is from the Srimad Bhagavatam, third canto, 25th chapter. It's the 25th verse. It's a section of the Bhagavatam where Lord Kapila is speaking to his mother, Devahuti. Satam prasangam mamavirya samvido. Satam prasangam mamavirya samvido. Bhavanti hrit karna prasayana katha. Bhavanti hrit karna prasayana katha. Tad jarshanar ashva pavarga. Ashva pavarga vartmani. Tas Jol Sanad Asva Pavarga Vartmani Shradaratir Bhaktir Anukram Ishyati Shradaratir Bhaktir Anukram Ishyati Sata Prasangan Mamavirya Samvido Bhavanti Hritkarna Rasayana Katha Tas Jol Sanad Ashva Pavarga Vartmani Shradavratir Bhaktir Anu Kramisyati. From association with the best devotees, topics of my glorious pastimes become directly realized. Bringing the devotee to Nista. Then the topics become an elixir for the heart and ears at the stage of Ruchi. By taste for these topics, Asakti, Bhava, and then praying for the Lord, who is the destroyer of material life, quickly develop in sequence. Anukramishyati, one after another. Sound familiar? Mm, to another verse by Srila Rupa Goswami. Yes. Dao Shraddha Tata Sadhu Sangotha Bhajana Kriya Tato Narthani Vritisha Tato Nista Ruchis Tata Athasaktis Tato Bhava Tato Brahmna Bhajanchati And also at the end of that verse we have this same Anu Kramishyati The last word in Rupa Goswami's verse from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is also this krama, means one after another. So I want to share with you Vishwanath Chakravarti's Thakur's uh, commentary on this verse. Again, this speaks to the importance of good association. Only by association with devotees does the mind develop attraction to the Lord. The stages are described here. The previous verse mentioned that association should be desired. Then faith, 
first arises. Okay, so in the verse prior to this, you can see that Lord Kapila was talking about a Tao Shraddha, a little faith, association with devotees, Bhajana Kriya, and Arthanivriti. Then faith first arises. So the, be- the beginning is faith. From excellent, and in the verse it's pra, prasanga. Sangha, we know what sangha is, right? So here we have prasanga, excellent association. We want the best association. From excellent, pra, association of the devotees. Stories of my pastime become nectar for the ears. So much so that what? Immediately it brings the devotee to the stage of Nista. The translation, bringing the devotee to Nista from hearing from that devotee. Then Vishwanath goes on to say, from inferior association, there is only Bhajana Kriya, but the stories do not become nectar. So if you don't have prasangan, prasanga, excellent association from truly realized devotees, people that are well situated, then the pastimes will be, still be beneficial to us, undoubtedly, but they're not going to fully satisfy their, the hearer. They're not going to be like nectar, is what the verse is saying. We need the excellent association. Otherwise, the hearing is simply an act of what? Bhajana Kriya. It doesn't immediately bring the audience to the stage of Nista, only Bhajana Kriya, but the stories do not become nectar. From this excellent association, the stories cause a Nartha Nivriti. The knot in the heart is released from that excellent association. Then these stories cause Nista. Those stories become direct realiza- directly realization, samvida, of my great qualities, virya. Those topics then produce ruchi. They are pleasing to the ear and heart. From the taste, josanat, of those topics, asakti, shraddha, and then bhava, rati, for the Lord, who destroys material existence, appears. Then prain, bhakti, follows in this order, anu. The bhakti explained by me now, will be preached in the world following this sequence. So Vishwanath saying, he's basically in this one purport highlighting what he elaborates on pretty extensively in Madhurya Kadambani. Here again, the same content in this verse from the Bhagavatam, spoken by Kapila to Devahuti, is the same content of the verse given to the Vaishnava community by Srila Rupa Goswami regarding progressive one after another stages of devotional practice. But in this verse, what's highlighted is prasanga. Prasanga. That by taking and associating with those topmost devotees, 
there's really going to be advancement through the stages of Bhajana Kriya, Anartha Navriti, Nista, Ruchi, Asakti, up to Bhava, then praying. Otherwise, hearing of the Bhagavatam, the student will simply remain if the devotee doesn't have himself if he hasn't actually advanced to the stage, how can he give to the audience what he doesn't yet have? That's what this verse is saying. That's the reality of Guru Parampara. And when he's talking about, when he says stories, he means pastimes in Bhagavatam? The narrations of the Bhagavatam, yes. So I thought that would give us some additional insight into the verse. It's used by Jiva Goswami in the Tattva Sandarbha. So we're continuing to the Tattva Sandarbha, Anucheta 33, uh, where we left off. Bhagavan's paradoxical potency, Maya. Why does Bhagavan not stop Maya from bewildering the jiva? That's a pretty good question. Why, why doesn't he step in? Why doesn't he end this anadi karma? Why doesn't he put Maya in her place? Let's see how Jiva Goswami explains this. Sri Bhagavan has delegated Maya as his controlling agent of the material creation. Still, he wills that the jivas direct their awareness, attention, feeling, and action toward him. Daivihesha gunamayi mamamaya durachaya mamevaye prapajante mayam etam tarantite This divine energy of mind consisting of the three modes of material nature is extremely difficult to overcome. But those who have surrendered unto me can easily cross beyond it. In his, uh, this Anucheda, remember these Anuchedas are really just sections. Sections where Jiva Goswami brings out a philosophical point for us. He highlights it by drawing from mostly the Bhagavatam. He also draws from some other Puranas, the Gita once in a while. Then the verse we chanted, Satam Prasangan Mamavirivam Samvido, and we've covered most of the content of that verse to some little extent here this evening. So why does the Lord not intervene? Krishna is unlimitedly merciful. He wants the best for everyone. He's not holding back in any way. But why doesn't he directly intervene? And what's brought out here is if the absolute is truly complete, finitude must be accompanied no less than infinity. Relativity no less than absoluteness. Samsara no less than moksha. If we're looking at the absolute, he has to accommodate these contradictory items completely. 
Well, let's go on. Maya no longer has the power to influence, as evidenced in the second verse that we chanted. The jiva who's reposed their consciousness or even begun to repose their consciousness in the Supreme. So then the question has to be asked. The verse we chanted talks of what? A turning of consciousness. And we said last class, root consciousness, our total awareness, our total being, physical, emotional, mental, intellectual, everything has to turn towards the Supreme. And that remedial measure, the method of turning, is this verse of hearing from the sadhu, an advanced sadhu. So the jiva, he's cooperating with the program. He's hearing from the sadhu. Why, if he's begun this hearing process and turned his awareness towards the Supreme, is he still inconvenienced with the sufferings of material nature? It's a valid question. Come on. I'm on board now. Leave me alone. Do I still? I mean, come on. Isn't that a valid? Enough's enough. I know why is no good for me. I know it's only going to give me pain. Then Maya's, Maya changes. The, aware, the, the influence of Maya on the jiva changes in the, in, the, in the consciousness of the devotee. Maya becomes an assistant because the jiva then becomes reflective of the situation within the material energy, the situation of forgetfulness that leads to mundane misery, forgetfulness that leads to misidentification, thinking that I'm the body, I'm American, I'm Indian, I'm black, I'm white, male, female. We become reflective. We're starting to hear, and in that hearing, then Maya is assisting. So, you know, when we get some pain, we realize, well, it's not me. It's not me, but it's my situation in that I think this body is me to the extent that I'm pained by it. Do you think Sukadev Goswami was in any pain? That he was in any way troubled by his material body? No. Not at all. Because he had no no desires to fulfill with the material body. So there was no possessiveness. It's like your car. If you rent it and you wreck it and it's insured, you're fine. If you own it and you wreck it, that's a problem for us. So we have a different way of viewing it, don't we? If I simply go somewhere and rent a car and somebody smashes into me because I'm a good driver, it wouldn't be my fault, <laughs> then as long as I bought the insurance, I'm, I'm cool with it. Okay, fine. Call up the rental company, come pick up your car and give me a new one. Somebody smashed this one up. But, my gosh, if somebody hits your car, 
and you own it, you have the title, you pay the insurance bill, and you have to pay the deductible, then it's a problem. Then it's like, I'm not going to tell my wife about this one. How can I get around this? <laughs> Maya makes us reflective. It makes us attentive. We're careful not to not to get too far off the rails because we know Maya can hurt us. We become more insightful. So what's Maya's real purpose when it comes to the jivas? Maya is there to encourage us to turn towards Bhagavan. She does this by first administrating the reaction to our activities in the material world. That administration deters us from further transgressions. But is it really transgression? Because the transgression is simply what? It's an anartha. We put value where there is no value. And in putting value where there is no value, we become bewildered. And Maya also seeks to impel us to make a permanent solution, not the administration of a Band-Aid. Now the scriptures have lots of Band-Aids in them. Prayaschita is a Sanskrit term. Atonement. So if I do something bad, I can atone for it. And if I atone properly, I don't have to suffer the reaction. But I have to perform the atonement. And that in itself is austerity. I have to give up my money to perform the sacrifice because I have to hire the Brahmins, I have to feed all the devotees or all the Brahmins. I have to perform a sacrifice or I have to do some atonement under guidance. Sometimes the atonement is very simple when it comes to bhakti, but we just don't know it. Was it Dorvas who offended Ambarish? Durvas offended a devotee. And the devotee said, didn't think much about it, went on about his business, but Krishna Sudarshan Chakra, who's another devotee, was upset. You can't offend my devotee. My, devo my Lord's devotee is offended by you. I'm going to chastise you. Off with your head or whatever. It started chasing this Muni all around the universe. And the Muni went everywhere and tried to find shelter. He asked everybody, all the authorities that he could come, and come to, what do I do to atone? What's the proper atonement? I've offended a devotee. And this, this, this cures, you know, I can't get, can't get it off my back. Wherever I go, it's, it's, it's headed my way. He went everywhere, Brahma, Shiva. He was given directive that there's only one thing you can do. There's only one person. He even went to Vishnu. How advanced would you have to be to go to Vishnu and ask, how can I deal with that? How can I deal with this? Your chakra's chasing me. Well, I can't do anything about it. But if you go to Maharaj Ambarish and you beg his forgiveness, then that's your remedy. So he did that and it resolved everything. So it wasn't a it wasn't a very it wasn't a great austerity, it was simply a, a simple a simple act begging from 
the devotee. Please forgive me, I've offended you. So Maya's there to to deter us from future transgressions and to show us that within this material world, you're always going to break a rule. There's no way to live here without breaking the laws of material. It's just not possible unless you become as perfect as a Sukadev Goswami. Independent of bhakti and the ingress of bhakti, there is not a possibility of perfecting material life. Even the jnanis who seek perfection to merge into the supreme, there has to be some bit of bhakti for them to perfect their perfect the process. Same thing goes for the yogis. So where's Bhagavan in all this? He's like the governor. He's like the king. The governor has a police department. The governor has a court system and a penal institution. So if you tra- transgress the law, are you going to are you going to the governor already has things in place to rectify you. The police are going to arrest you, the court system is going to convict you if you're guilty, and the penal institution, the prison is going to dole out the punishment for some time, and then you'll be rectified, hopefully. What is society at large? What is their viewpoint of such a administration? Do they say, oh, governor, you're such a bad, mean person. You have policemen, and you have laws, and you have a court system, and you have jails. And you punish wrongdoers. What kind of a governor are you? No, we we applaud them. Good, we don't want those people. They can't function in society. Thank you for having all these things in place. Are we so quick to thank God for having material nature in place to keep us on our toes? We should be, right? What's wrong with the properly administrative material creation? Do we have a problem with that? Now, and the fact of the matter is, if there's been a proper system, even the reformed criminal himself will thank the governor. Thank you. I'll never do that again. I don't want to go back to prison. I don't want to be put through this ordeal. I've learned my lesson. This is not the way to act in society. That would be a good attitude to have. It's not very common. So the governor, Bhagavan, the supreme, Ishvara, the supreme controller, he's, we can understand the necessity of maya and the external potency and the and the need for rectification of, of jivas that are have no awareness of him. He has maya to deal with all this. He has the perfect laws, he has the perfect court system, the perfect system of punishment. These are all in effect. Doesn't he care enough for us to intercede in some way on our behalf? Because we can see that in the material world, it's a continual cycle of wrongdoing, punishment, keeping out of trouble for some time, wrongdoing again, punishment. So this continual cycle of karma is coming and going through the different modes of nature. I'm observing people are being born, 
living, dying, and in the middle, they're suffering. And even they think they're happy, they're not really that happy. It's just a decrease of the suffering. It's not as so, you know, when they're underwater, they're dunked underwater, you take them up. It's like, ah, it's a joy to have a breath of air. Wow. Ah, I'm living now. And then back under the water. What's the positive? And we cannot accuse the Supreme of not having some really good positives in effect. Whatever he charges a Brahma with the creation of a universe, what's the first thing he does? He imparts Vedic knowledge to the creator of the universe so that it's dispersed through all the administrative heads within the whole universe. He comes himself. He comes. His parts and parcels come. He sits in everyone's heart. He enthuses them whenever they make any step towards spiritual life. And he also comes with his pure devotees and he, he gives them instructions which human society can take advantage of. So there's Krishna and Arjuna. There's Krishna and Uddhava. How much knowledge, transcendental knowledge. Because the fact of the matter is, as we learned in the first section of Tattvas and Dharva, without transcendent knowledge, the jiva, independent of that ingress of the sarup shakti in the form of transcendental sound vibration, the shastra, there's no possibility of absolute spiritual knowledge. The jiva soul can come to the mode of goodness, and in the mode of goodness, they can become reflective, but what's what is the extent of the reflection, the inference that they can have in relation to the material energy, what can they infer? Well, it really looks like somebody did their homework here. There must be some higher intelligence behind all this. So even you take an Einstein, who's like got an IQ off the charts, and he's figuring out all these stuff, what's he come to? He's the highlight of, of, of the sharp brain, the, the grand intellect. And how far does it take him? There has to be a cosmic order. There has to be, an, there has to be somebody behind this. The, too much of this fits together too perfectly for there not to have been some divine intervention. But he can only go that far. The jiva can only go that far with their empiric reasoning. There must be some greater scheme of things here. But that's the extent of it. If you want to know what that divine intervention is, totally, fully, absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, without any question about it, what do you need? Subda Brahman. You need transcendental sound vibration coming from the spiritual realm descending to this realm. If you look at it, the Supreme Lord and Maya are, are tag-teaming the jiva perfectly. They're working in perfect cooperation for our benefit. Maya's there 
giving us the negative side in her way and Krishna is providing the positive impetus by displaying some little fragmental portion of his unlimited majesty, Aishwarya, and if we're real lucky, Madhurya, his sweetness. All coming how? What's the verse say? Satam prasangam, mamavirya sambhidam. At this point, Sachinarayan Das touches on one little aspect of Maya that he first of all in a footnote to his book he says where I've written Maya with not a capital Maya that refers to the Lord's external material energy and where I write Maya with a capital M I'm referring to that personality who administers to who is the superintendent of that energy and this gives us entrance into an understanding of all the Lord Shaktis are represented by personalities his intrinsic energies all of his spiritual Swarup Shakti his Swarup Shakti and all the Shaktis related to his internal spiritual domain they all have a personality so the primary personality of his Ananda Ladini Shakti is whom? Radha so that's a personification of that pleasure giving potency in the spiritual realm there's so many Shaktis Yoga Maya setting the scene for all the Leela Purnamasi and on and on and even various aspects of the Ladini Shakti are represented by the Gopis, the Manjari serving Radha there are aspects of her personality personified also Maya is a person is a person, it has a personality and has her duty but she's ashamed to show her face in front of the Supreme Lord she has a thankless task she's a great devotee and she's likened to a maidservant who never enters the king's inner quarters only the outer quarters which would be in this instant the analogy would be the material energy to illustrate the personality of Maya that Maya actually exists as a person what do we have as Praman? we would have Shastra, right? let's give an explanation to show that Maya also is a person by narrating a story of a battle between the Devas and the Asuras within the material realm so there's always some competition there between the gods and the demons, the demons want to, want to take over the, the fancy places and the fancy women and the fancy cars they want all the fancy airplanes and the gods have it all so they, there's a battle there's a struggle there sometime it erupts into an all out war after such a war the Davis won 
they were they were they came came out victorious. All right, well that's great, but they thought they did it, did it all themselves. We did it. We killed the demons. They became proud. We're so powerful. All the demons are gone now. We were able to maintain our palaces and our wives and our airplanes, our cars, our boats, our gardens, everything we have, but we did it. And they thought they did it of their own power. So at that time, when they were feeling that way, a yaksha appeared in front of them. And they didn't know who this yaksha was, so they deputed Agni. Now Agni's the demigod that is the personification of the element fire. So he went to the Yaksha and he said, Who are you? And the Yaksha held up, held up a straw. And he said, Burn the straw. Well, this is Agni. He's the personification of fire. So if you put a piece of straw in front of him, he can just poof. He couldn't burn it. All of his energies, like, he couldn't burn it. He said, I couldn't determine who this person was. So they sent uh, Vayu. And the Yaksha held up the straw and he says, well, remove the straw from my hand. Vayu is the personification of the wind. Couldn't budge. The straw didn't even waver. So finally, Indra himself the head of all the demigods went to the Yaksha and the Yaksha just disappeared vanished from sight Indra's a pretty powerful guy he has all the mystic powers if he wanted to control another living entity in the universe that's not a problem for him but he couldn't bring this Yaksha back and force him to manifest in front of him so then Maya Devi herself appeared to Indra in the form of Uma and revealed that this personality was actually Bhagavan himself. So then they, the demigods, here's someone appearing like a Yaksha that's actually the supreme person and we could not defeat this one personality with all of our strength and of all, all of our mystic opulences and powers. We thought we could defe we've defeated all these demons to maintain our position, but really, where did that power come from? The story, the narration is brought forth now to say, you can see that Uma, who was Maya Devi, is a person, not just the material energy, but it's actually... That is all. The material energy is personified in a personality. So all of the Lord's external potencies, what is it, how many millions of demigods, 33 million different demigods in charge of different departments of the material energy, that those demigods are personifications of the energy that they are charged with maintaining. And similarly, Maya is representative of the entire cosmic material energy, the Supreme. So that was Anucheta 33, and uh, we won't begin another one because it's 8 o'clock. Are there any questions?
Thank you very much. Yes, yes. Okay, so I know, I know, I know. I was, I was like looking at my question mark and I was trying to think about it. Um, so I was talking about how if we have excellent association, we're able to get to Nishtha quickly. But I guess from our point of view, it's kind of like you're talking about if we're not with advanced devotees, we um, there. It's still there's still some benefit, but it's not. I guess it's as potent as with. Um, it's as potent as they are. Realized. Realized, yes. Okay, so I guess I guess one could make the argument that I guess we're not coming to Nishtha super duper quickly, but I guess in comparison, it's it's quick. So. Depends on what you who you're associated with. I mean, we have you have your spiritual master. You have a sound vibration. You could listen. You have the literatures of the Goswamis. You have Srila Prabhupada's commentaries on the Bhagavatam, Vishwadas commentary. So that's what it means by good association. Or you can simply go to the Sunday feast and talk about so and so's marriage. In other words, you know, not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but the point is just we have, we gradually have to what? As Bhakti Raksha Sridhar Dave Goswami says, our advancement is dependent upon our constant what? Acceptance and elimination. We want to refine our spiritual life. And the more we work on refining our spiritual life through placing ourselves in the very best association that we can possibly have, then that's going to call our progress. I remember a couple, three years ago, Guru Maharaj was, was speaking here. It might have been during a festival, I believe it was. Or a, he just he had one theme that he kept touching upon, and that is, if you are able to associate with such a devotee, you should be willing to give up everything in your life to have that association. That's how determined we should be. That's hard for us. We have our wives and our families and our kids. And When you have that kind of an opportunity available in a sadhu who's fully self-realized and fully conversant with the Shastra, you should stay in that association as much as you possibly can up to the point of as much as humanly possible it's a it becomes a very profound type of life then when you abandon everything and go to the feet of the guru and refuse to leave for anything unless he kicks you away that's called determination. Anukuyasya, sankalpa, pratikuyasya, varjanam. Six items of surrender, accepting what's favorable, rejecting what's unfavorable, accepting the Lord as my protector, my provider, being fully humble and 
complete and absolute self-surrender. Those are the items, six items of surrender. So, saranagati consists of this, that complete and absolute surrender to that kind of sangha that's going to do nothing but uplift and nourish my spiritual life continually. Can we all do it immediately? No, but that's the ideal. And that's why when we look to the sadhus and we look, what is their lifestyle? Up in the morning chanting, reading, giving classes, eating prasadam, not leaving the temple. And you're like, how can you do that? I need to get out once in a while. You know, and it's understandable. That's our material conditioning. But uh, gradually, as the devotee advances through the stages, Bhajana Kriya, Anartha Nivriti, Nista, Ruchi, Asakti, Bhava, there's nothing outside of this little place right here I need. I'm perfect and complete right here. So that's, that's what's being spoken of in, 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 in that level of surrender. And that, that kind of association which comes only from that kind of determination, they come, Krishna, as they surrender unto me, I reward accordingly. So that kind of association coming from that kind of determination calls our progress through the stages as this verse we chanted tonight. First Nista, then Ruchi, so, can you imagine Ruchi? Ruchi means what? You can't stop chanting your rounds. The sweetness is so overwhelming, you don't want to eat or sleep. Does that answer your question? I think I went somewhere else. No, 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 it was good. It was totally good. Anything else? Thank you so much. Why don't you come to this job?